All right, here we go. Believe. We're moving on. <clears throat> we got, uh, you got your notes. You got uh, the bulletin. You have blanks in your notes this morning. Um, please sign your name and give them to me after service so that I can see that you uh, actually were listening. And there will be a pop quiz. And for those that don't pass the pop quiz, you have to come back and hear the sermon a second time. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Uh, we are headed to John chapter 8, verse 12 is where we're going to begin this morning. I'm going to apologize in advance. We're going to cover a lot of text. Some of it is a little bit redundant, and that's why I'm covering so much text all at one time. But I am going to ask you to engage your brain this morning. Some mornings, are, the text is emotional, and so it's very easy to stay engaged because we're just emotionally on our edge. Like last week, man, that was charged, huh? This week, Jesus is teaching, so it just tends to be kind of academic, and it's easy to let your mind wander, but it's incredibly important text, okay? So our key verse for the book of John is John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Read this real loud with me. Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miraculous signs besides the ones recorded in this book. But these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. Yes! That's so good, huh? It's a great verse. Last week, John tells us the story of Jesus showing divine mercy to the adulterous woman. I really do believe that that story resonates with all of us. Last week after service, so many people come to me and are like, Brent, that's just what I needed to hear. And, and we're all in different places in our faith, but God speaks to every one of us right where we are. We know the shame and disappointment of sin. We also know the arrogance of shaming those who have sinned, Right? As believers, the greatest gift that you and I have received, as well as the greatest gift that we have to get, offer to other people, to give to other people, is God's divine mercy that he has given us. We have this great compassion to offer to other people that people who have not been shown the compassion of Christ, they don't even understand what it is. It doesn't make sense to them. So we come along, and even though people sin against us, we can bless them, and we can love them, and we can love them as Jesus loves them. This morning, I titled this, uh, Jesus's bold claims. Jesus is going to make several bold claims about himself this morning. He's going to make uh, claims about himself, God the Father, those who are believers, and even those who are not believers. We must, as we look at this text this morning, we must decide whether we believe these bold claims, because we can look at scripture and you can say, I just choose not to believe that. This is very, very sad for you, but you can choose not to believe what God has to say to us. And then we have to choose uh, how we're going to respond to what God has to say to us, okay? So I'm going to move pretty quick. You're going to have to stay engaged. Put your seatbelt on. Here we go. Number one, the claim. Here's the claim, that Jesus, the first claim that Jesus makes, and that is Jesus is our only hope. You may want to write that in your bulletin since I left it blank for you. Jesus is our only hope. Not anything in this world can we place our hope in besides Jesus. Verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, so John's continuing on with this, building this story of who Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We sang about that in our first song this morning. I am the light of the world. 
Just waiting for you to understand. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And Jesus, in this text, sorry, I'm distracted with a thought. I hate to make this message any longer than it already is. Imagine life with no light. Can you? I mean, imagine if there wasn't a sun and we all had to drive using the Braille method. That would not be good, not be safe. If we just had to live our lives without the ability to see what's in front of us. I've told this story before, and it's on me, and it's kind of funny. I don't know why, but I think that it's cool to wander around in the house in the dark. So if I get up in the middle of the night, I don't flip all the lights on as I go through the house. I am thinking I'm being very serious about I walk down the hall, and I know, how, I know about how many steps it is. And I can kind of tell by the sound of my steps. I'm at the left-hand turn. And, well, sometimes I miss the turn. And then I walk down, and I know that I'm in the, the entryway of our house. And if I keep walking, I'll walk into the closet. And then, actually, I can make it this far just fine. It's the left-hand jaunt, because I'm always going to the refrigerator. If you've been in my house, you know exactly where I'm going. You have to kind of go to the left, and then what happens is there's a couch here, and there's a chair here. And sometimes... One of my loved ones leaves a TV tray, either set in front of that chair or at the corner of the couch. If it's at the corner of the couch, it's because I did it. But then I forget or I'm halfway asleep, right? So I'm, I'm in ninja stealth mode. I'm going through the house, right? And then you kick the TV tray over and then Diane's like, Brent, somebody's breaking in. It's like, it's just me. Why are you breaking in? I'm not breaking in. I'm going through the house. Why didn't you turn the lights on? Because I'm a ninja. <laughs> Only she knows that I'm not. The point is, I'm going to tie this back to my sermon. We think that we are spiritual ninjas walking around in the dark, and we can do this on our own. And Jesus comes along and he says, I am the light of the world. You desperately need Jesus. Okay, now I'm back to my notes. Got that off my chest. Uh, Jesus makes three absolute claims. Everyone say absolute we're going to look at them carefully. First, Jesus is exclusively the light of the world. Jesus is exclusively the light of the world. No one else gets to be the light of the world. There's one light of the world. We even see it borne out in, uh, in eschatology and revelations where he says, we don't need the sun because we have the son of God is going to light, uh, is going to give us light. Uh, second claims. First is Jesus is exclusively the light of the world. Second, if you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in the darkness. If you follow Jesus, you won't have to be in the darkness. Number three, very similar, following Jesus will lead to life. Following Jesus, we can have confidence that if we follow Jesus, we will arrive at life, not just life, but eternal life. In the grand context of the gospel of John, as we look at the whole book, uh, 
uh, the grand context of, God, of John claiming to be the light, Jesus claiming to be the light is a really big deal because John has already introduced the idea of the light in the first chapter. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but I've repeated it several times, so you're going to remember some of it. So John chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Listen carefully. We're, gonna, we're looking for the light and what the light is in the first nine verses of the Gospel of John. He says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's important. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. Talking about the Word, we know because of, we've already studied this, is that the Word is talking about God. It is uh, God created everything. He is God. The Word is God. No matter what background you come from, when you come to the first nine verses of John chapter 1, you know that he's talking about the God, the God of the universe. We don't, haven't put a name on him yet, but we know that he's talking about God. Verse 4, the word, or God, gave life to everything that was created, and his life... I'm going to try again. Here we go. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life, whose life? God's life, the word's life. We know that it's going to be Jesus brought light. It's like John had a plan, huh? Brought light to everyone. Who brought light to everyone? Jesus, the word God, brought light to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Man, that's a big deal. And the darkness can never extinguish the light. Right? It doesn't matter how small of a light you have, it shines. The darkness doesn't say, oh, the darkness is greater than this little light, so we'll just snuff the little light out. Nope, nope. There's a great principle here. God's a genius. Verse 6. God sent a man named John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness. Everyone say witness. To tell about the light. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Dun, dun, dun. So fast forward back to uh, John chapter 8, and Jesus is teaching again at the temple, and Jesus is claiming to be the word. He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the one through that created everything and through whom everything was created. He is the light who has come to the world. He is God. He is God of the universe. All of God in Jesus has come to mankind. And in, in John chapter 6, chapter 8, pardon me, wherever we're at. In John chapter 8, God in Jesus has come to mankind. And he is standing in the temple in Jerusalem. And he's teaching these people because he wants them to know the light. It's cool. Jesus is is 
the light of the world. Jesus' second claim is that if you follow him, if you follow him, if you believe in him, if you put your confidence in him, you won't stumble around in the darkness and kick the TV tray over. Jesus states this as a positive, that if you believe in him, you will have life. He is offering hope. He's offering hope for those stumbling through life. For those who don't really know where they're going and they don't really know how they're going to get there. I'm going to pause for just a moment because you got to wrap your brain around this. I live in a kind of an ivory tower where I work with Diane a lot and she behaves most of the time. I work with Thomas a whole lot and he's always just good as gold. Um, you guys are out there where there's people who are genuinely lost. You're, you are with them whenever you see them bumping into life where they're struggling. And it seems like every decision that they make just sends them down a deeper, darker hole. You know the people that when Jesus says, I'm light of the world and I've come to give them life, you know the people who desperately need this. When we go, when all of our friends are Christians and they're believers and they're doing pretty well and living for the glory of God, it's easy for us to get familiar and just kind of become like, eh, this is good. But if you're in the dark and you're stumbling around, bouncing off of walls, you know what it is for somebody to give you a little guidance and give you a little light. We know these people who need this light. Jesus is the light that they can follow and be able to see their way through this life. Jesus is, is there to be their light. He is there to be their hope. Now, the implication is that if you don't follow Jesus... If you do follow Jesus, you come to life and you have light as you live this life. If you don't follow Jesus, you will remain in darkness. Now, it seems like a simple principle for those of us that go to church, but we take this for granted that those around us that have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that don't want to follow Jesus, that don't want to read their Bibles and learn and grow, they will remain in darkness. They will remain in darkness. You will continue to stumble around, banging into things, frustrated, discouraged, and probably injured to some degree. Often we ask people, do you, do you go to church anywhere? I don't go to church. I just, uh, they've been hurt somewhere along the way. They banged into something and they're bruised over something that happened at church. Oh, man. You realize the church is full of a, of a bunch of sinners, right? It's a trick question. <laughs> Everybody's there. like, I want to look at somebody right now, but I don't know if I should. He's a sinner. Yeah, we're all, you come to church and we're all sinners. So yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. If you're looking at the church for hope, you're in trouble. You need to be looking at Jesus for hope. <laughs> Got to find my place. Jesus is our hope. Closely related, the third claim that I mentioned is following Jesus leads to life. Following Jesus leads to life. And again, this is exclusive. The only way to eternal life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only can you see your way through this life, but following Jesus will ultimately lead to you finding eternal life. 
Jesus is our only hope for navigating this life and for arriving at eternal life. You just have to wrap your brain around that. There is one life, there's one light, there's one hope, and that is Jesus. Number two, that's Jesus' claim. That's Jesus' claim. One hope, the Lord Jesus Christ, light of the world, we all need him. Otherwise, we all live in darkness. Number two, the argument. Here's the argument that the Pharisees are going to make. You can't declare yourself God. <laughs> Seems valid. <laughs> uh, verse 13, the Pharisees replied, you're making these claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. The Pharisees make a valid point. People can't just declare themselves to be God. There must be witnesses. There must be some sort of proof. Now, the writer of the Gospel of John, Pastor John, we'll call him, he's already made this case. He starts off, we just read about John the Baptist is not the light, but he comes to be a witness to the light to tell us that the light is coming, that Jesus is coming. Jesus has performed miracles. We've, John has recorded these miracles. And then he's even recorded that the onlookers to these miracles have declared that only the Son of God is capable of performing such miraculous deeds. Jesus' claim to be God does not stand alone he has proven himself over and over to be God. He's proven it. You can believe it or not. If you believe it, you get to walk in the light and life becomes so much more blessed and enjoyable. Or you can choose to not believe it and you can stumble around in the darkness, cursing at the darkness, cursing at all the problems that the darkness has. Jesus' claim stands alone. He's proven himself to be the Son of God on various occasions. Number three. Now, some of you are thinking, wow, we're going through this really fast. We're going to be out of here early. That would be wrong. <laughs> Number three. Here's the defense. I'm trying to go fast because I know we're fixing to hit a speed bump. Number three. Here's the defense. You judge by human standards. Make sure your brain is engaged or you're going to miss something here. Jesus told them in verse 14, he says, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. Right? Because they said, you can't say that about yourself. And he says, these claims are valid even though I say them about myself. For I know, here's his reasoning, for I know where I come from, where I came from, and I know where I'm going now, remember, the theme is Jesus is the light of the world. The contrast is people walking around in the darkness. Are you with me? Jesus says, I make them about myself, for I know where I come from, and I know where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. You judge by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. Now, I'm going to go back to the human standards uh, words because they may need some explanation other translations use the word flesh uh it's a contrast he's kind of saying from human perspective here uh from from your fallen nature this is what you see making judgments he says he says you to the pharisees he says you are making judgments from a human perspective about god Do you understand? He says, 
You're making judgments from the flesh, from the physical understanding, about the spirit. You're trying to apply your physics 101 class to the Bible, to spiritual things, to a whole other dimension, and you can't. It doesn't work. To keep the analogy that's in the text... He is saying, you are standing in the dark, making judgments about the light. Now, back to me walking through the house. If the lights are on, is it difficult to navigate? Because I can judge. No, it's not. Good job. Some of you didn't have a clue. (laughs) It was a simple question. If the lights are on, yes, I can navigate better. Wow. You guys, if the lights are off in the darkness, I have a harder time judging where the wall is, where the TV tray is, where the refrigerator door is at. I mean, until the light comes on. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, when the lights are on, we see things clearly. When the lights are off, we make bad judgments. That is what Jesus is saying. You're standing in the dark, in the flesh, in your fallen nature. You're covered up with sin. You, make, you have ideas that come from your pride, from your own arrogance, from your own lust, from your own sinful, stinky self, from your greed. And you're telling me who I am, and you just don't have a clue. And Jesus says, I do know where I come from, and I know exactly where I'm going. Now, kind of... I, uh, I meet a lot of people, visit with a lot of people. I visit with people who don't know me all that well. Sometimes people think, well, I heard him preach a couple times, so I know all about him. <sighs> That's funny. Um, so I'm amused every once in a while. Please don't take this wrong. But every once in a while, someone will take a lot of time explaining something to me that I've experienced, something that I've done. Because they look at me and they're like, well, Brent's never done that, so I'll explain to him how this works even if it's something that they've never done themselves. So if somebody else has done it and they're explaining it to me, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then every once in a while, somebody will be explaining something to me that I have done that they've never done. And then it becomes amusing because they don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) That is what's happening with the Pharisees. They stand before the people and they say, we're going to tell you how to be righteous before God. And Jesus comes in and he says, I will tell you, I'm the light of the world. I can make you righteous before God the Father. I can get you to know God the Father. I can get you to have a personal relationship with God the Father. And the Pharisees are like, no, you can't. We know more than you do. What a fool. Don't be a fool. Jesus is telling these Pharisees, you are doing your best the best that you can from where you're standing. Jesus is kind to these guys, kind of. He says, but you don't have a clue what you're making judgments about because you're standing in the dark. Jesus, on the other hand, he is he is the light. He's not in the light. He is the light, and he is clear to make judgments in both the light and the darkness. That's, that's good. Jesus, because he is the light, he can stand in the darkness and make correct judgments. Why? Because he is the light, so he sees perfectly clear. Verse 16. 
And if I did, Jesus goes on, because he just said, I don't make judgments about you guys, but if I did, here's his qualifier, gotta love Jesus. You can see that he is human, right? If I did make judgments about you, turkey heads, turkey heads, really tough. My judgment would be correct. (laughs) If I did make judgments about you fools, I would be correct about my judgments. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every aspect because I am not alone. Did you see what just happened? Jesus says, I'm not in this by myself. I'm not making these claims by myself. Then he says, the father, now it's this common ground of his father and the Jewish God Elohim, the Hebrew God. You with me? All the way back to Genesis 1.1. The father who sent me is with me. I'm not alone. The Father, God Almighty, Creator, Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh, is who sent me, and he is with me. Now, if you're a Jew, you're not taking this well. Verse 17, your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. So he's kind of hurtling their own laws and their own reasoning. Jesus has the perspective of being all-knowing. Because he is the light. He sees all things. He knows all things. He can judge correctly because he has the perspective of the Son of Man. He has the perspective of God the Father. And he has the perspective of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? That is crazy. This is, why, this is what trips us up. We say, well, there can't be a trinity because it doesn't make sense. Well, of course it doesn't make sense. It's God. If we could apply physics to it, then it wouldn't be spiritual. and It's not much of a God. <laughs> then we can carve something out of a two-by-four and pray to it. Well, I understand that. Well, good for you. There is no aspect of existence that Jesus is not fully aware of. Oh, that just stretched your brain out, huh? I saw some of your ears go. There is no aspect of the universe that Jesus, God, is not fully aware of. I, that, that just take a second and, and absorb that. I'm, I'm bad about every once in a while. I even say it to you guys. I apologize that I'm human. But every once in a while I'll say, you know, God seems to not know what's going on in my life. But he knows because he's the light. And he knows everything about every detail of every molecule of our universe. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. So the Pharisees are not equipped to witness who is or who is not God. They're standing in the dark, and the question is, who is God? And they're like, well, I don't know. He's not, but they're in the dark. They don't know what they're talking about. But Jesus stands squarely. He stands perfectly in the space to testify about who he is. He has that authority because he's the light. Number four, he's going to double down. Now, for those of you who like to play blackjack or 21, you like to go to the casinos, you're right there with me now, huh? Don't say amen, because then we'll know who you are. 
Double down. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. Jesus doubles down on, an old, on his old crazy claim that he's already made. You, write this down, you only know the Father if you know Jesus. Yeah, we have it up there, so it's kind of long so that you can write it down. You only know the Father if you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father. Verse 19. The Pharisees, they say, where is your father, they asked. Where is your father? Because he just mentioned his father in the previous text. Where is your father? Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. Follow? If you, if, if you knew me, you would also know my father. Are you getting your brain wrapped around this? It's, again, this speaks to the exclusivity of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. Oh, but Brent, God's a God of mercy. He reveals himself in the stars. The story of the gospel is written in the stars. People can know God by just looking at creation. But they don't know God if they don't know Jesus is what the text tells us. So you can fantasize, and I, and I know that we do it partly out of compassion and feeling merciful, but what it does is it alienates the necessity of us telling people about Jesus because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father. They have to have the message of Jesus. Why do we give money to Faith Comes By Hearing so that they can spread Bibles all over the world? Because we have to send the gospel. Yes, Brent, that's good preaching. <laughs> yeah. Where are we at? Verse 20. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But... He was not arrested because his time had not yet come. We've seen this multiple times in chapter 8. Jesus is savage to these Pharisees. The Pharisees ask, where is your father? Where is your father? And Jesus takes their statement and he kind of, he just runs with it. Jesus plays it as though the Pharisees just admitted to not knowing God. Where's your father? You don't know who my father is? You don't know where God is at? Really? Really? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they don't know God the Father, which actually is a fact. They're religious. They're leaders. They talk big, but they don't know the Father. The only way for them to know the Father is to know Jesus the man that they're giving a hard time and actually wanting to kill. John gives us a glimpse of the emotional impact of this statement whenever he tells us, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. The only reason that Jesus was not arrested at this moment for his offensive comments to the Pharisees was just because it was not his time and God said, no, you're not gonna arrest him. The Pharisees are standing here, they want to wring his neck. They're like, you twisted our words. We, we ask where your father is and then you declare to this whole crowd, we don't know who God is, we don't know where God is, you make us look like fools, we're gonna kill you. And God says, not now though, not now. Just hold your britches. That's what God says. Hold your britches. That's what it says in the message. There is only one way to know God, 
the God of heaven. There's only one way to eternal life. There is only one path to knowing and having a relationship with God the Father, and that is through Jesus. You only know God the Father if you know Jesus. I cannot say that more absolute, okay? Okay, bold claims that Jesus is making. Some of us are, some, I can tell some of you are already digging in. Really? Only way to eternal life? Hmm. Number five, here's the warning. Jesus is gonna go on and he's, gonna, he's giving them a warning. He's giving us a warning. John is recording this to warn the readers. Without Jesus, you will die in your sins. So now he's amping it up. Not only will you not know God the Father if you don't know Jesus. How many negatives can we put in one sentence? If you know Jesus, you will know the Father. If you know Jesus, you also will be forgiven of your sins. If you don't know Jesus, you will not know God the Father. And if you don't know Jesus, you will not be forgiven of your sins. You will die in your sins. Verse 21 Make sure your brain is engaged. I know that this is, this is when we start, your brain starts getting full. So you're like, ah, too many thoughts, Brent. Stay there. Stay with me. Verse 21, later Jesus said to them again, again, he's repeating himself. I am going away. Jesus tells this group of religious leaders, this crowd, he says, I'm going to go away. You will search for me. Oh man, get your brain around this. This is a tough message. It's not mine, by the way. It's John. Jesus, Holy Spirit, blame all of them. I didn't do it. I am going away. You will search for me. Who is he talking about? Who's me? Jesus. You will search for Jesus, but you, but you will search for Jesus, but you will die in your sin. You cannot go where I am going. Well, I just thought we got to do whatever we wanted to do. Whenever I want to find Jesus, I find Jesus. That is not what the scriptures teach. Are you okay? The offering boxes are locked. You can't get your money back. <laughs> I don't like this message. The people... Jesus makes this crazy declaration. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. And the people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? Can you see how in the dark these people are? They don't have a clue what's going on. Is he, is he planning suicide? What does he mean? Uh, you, you cannot come where I'm going. What's he talking about? Verse 23, Jesus continued. He says, you are from below. As if Jesus hasn't been offensive enough yet. Wow. You, Pharisees, are from below. I am from above. In case you haven't understood it, you're in the dark, so I'm going to illustrate it. You are from down here. I am from up here. You belong to this world. I do not. I do not belong to this world. Are you with me? This is a big deal. As far as doctrine and theology goes, Jesus does not belong to this world. Verse 24, that is why I said that you, these people living in this world, will die in your sins because they live in this world. For unless you believe that I am, do you guys have that capitalized in your Bible? I am, he's using a 
title that God uh, said to Moses. Moses goes to the burning bush and he says, who shall I tell them sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. So Jesus is pulling an Old Testament Moses reference in here. He says, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Now, for all the times the scripture is a little bit ambiguous, this is abundantly clear. Don't be distracted with the confusion of the people here because we can look at their thoughts and just continue to be in the dark. We're going to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. He says, you will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Sweetheart, you ought to be terrified right now. Well, I'm feeling pretty confident. So did the Pharisees. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world and you will die with this world. I do not. Unless, here's the light. Unless you believe that Jesus is the son of God, the savior of the world, you will die in your sins. Now, I think when Jesus says this, because he says, he says, and Jesus said, uh, said this to him again, uh, starts us off. Later, Jesus said to them again, he's repeating himself. I really do believe there is a sense of urgency in Jesus's claim here. He's not being mean. He's not being judgmental. He's telling them the truth as factual, as absolute, as certain as he possibly can with as much compassion as he possibly can. Do you understand? He's not being mean. He's being honest and firm. It is not a suggestion or a matter of opinion. Jesus is warning these people that if they fail to recognize him, if they fail to believe in him, they will die in their sin. It's a huge claim. So why does Desert Heights exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus? Here's why. Here is why. Here's why I love ministry. Here's why I love the job that I have. Here's why I get passionate every once in a while. Is because without believing in Jesus, people will, everyone say will, will. continue to live in darkness. That's the immediate and ultimately, they will die in their sin. They will. That is absolute. You know these people. Only Jesus can forgive a person of their sin. Only Jesus. They don't get to come to church and start being a better person and call it good. They have to come to Jesus. The previous story was about the adulterous woman it was illustrating that nobody in the crowd had the power and authority to forgive this woman except for Jesus, only Jesus. There's approximately 53,000 people in the greater Farmington area who don't know Jesus. We can come to church and sing amazing grace and leave feeling empowered and inspired and wonderful, but we can't stop remembering that there's people who live in the dark 
that are stumbling through this life, bouncing off of their own sin, making bad judgments because they live in the dark, and they desperately need the light of the world to illuminate their lives. They need somebody to introduce them to Jesus. Not, I mean, eternal life that is great, but that's so far down the road that whenever you're, when you're stumbling around in life, you're not thinking about eternal life. You're just thinking about the end of the day. Lord, just get me through the end of the day. Give me light to see for this moment. Give me the ability to make good judgments right now. Every once in a while, I am around people from time to time, and they tell me what's going on in their lives. And I'm like, I don't know how you're still vertical. Because if I was, if I was, as, if I had as miserable of a life as you do, <laughs> they tell me every decision they make is a bad decision that just leads to worse life. And I'm like, if you would just, I invite them to church and I tell them, listen, you need to come to church and we have classes and you hear the teaching of God's word and you'll, you'll understand who Jesus is and, and life will become better. It genuinely becomes better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not teaching and preaching prosperity. I'm teaching and preaching that when you live a life of putting God first, your life gets better. It just does. <laughs> I hate to use myself as an example. What time? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Every once in a while, people will say, well, Brent, you know, it's not like, our life's not like you and Diane where you guys just have everything and y'all are so blessed. Let me tell you what. It's not blessed because of Diane and I. We've put Christ first. We always have. Have we made our mistakes? Oh, absolutely we have. Has God blessed us abundantly? Yes, he has. That's the way it works. Don't envy my life. Envy my God. Envy my God. All right, where are we at now? Page 14 or 18? I don't know. Huge claim. Only Jesus can forgive people's sin. That's why, oh man, let's just keep going. It doesn't always fit. What Jesus is claiming here does not fit with contemporary, with our contemporary view of God. Christianity as a whole, I'm taking a big swing here. So, you know, if you're the exclusion, hopefully you are the exclusion to what I'm about to say. This does not fit in. What, what, what Jesus is teaching here doesn't fit in with our contemporary view of God. Our contemporary view of Christianity and our contemporary theology tends to be, well, I can just kind of do whatever I want. I can live however I want, and God will forgive me because he's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. I've heard Brent say it. He's a God of mercy. So I'm going I'm to live like a heathen, and then God's just going to forgive me, and that's fine with me. And you're not reading the text. You're not reading the scripture. You're making an assumption about who God is, and you're standing in the dark. Are you, are you with me? Jesus warned us, if you don't believe in him, you will die in your sin, and you will pay the penalty for your sin. That's a fact. Number six. We still have two points and no time. Another claim. Jesus is going to make another claim. Jesus is sent here by the Father. He's already said this, but he's going to reiterate it. In verse 25, he says, "Who uh, the, the Pharisees, who are you? Uh, they ask him questions. He spins it on them, and he, he answers them with great authority. He teaches with great authority. Now the Pharisees are saying, who are you? And Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I'm not changing anything. I'm not, not changing who I said. I'm not changing anything that I've said in the past. I am the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. Watch this. 
For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me. And he, talking about God the Father, is completely truthful. Verse 27, but you still didn't under, but they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. The Pharisees could not wrap their brains around this. I hope that you can wrap your brains around this. The Pharisees say to Jesus, who are you? And Jesus' answer is that God the Father has sent him fully God to be the light that guides mankind to a right relationship with God the Father. That is so simple. This is God the Father's plan to send his son to earth to reveal the glory of God, to, for, to die on a cross and to forgive our sins, the sins of those who believe in him. That's the plan. It's that simple. Jesus coming to earth to be the light to mankind is the Father's will. That's the will of the Father. Jesus doesn't come to condemn the world but to shine the light of truth into our lives so that we can have life and life more abundantly. Uh-oh, we're ahead of ourselves in John now. Verse seven, the verdict. The verdict. I can't scream at you, but the verdict is believe. Exclamation point, hashtag, star. Hold down the shift button, hit all the numbers. I don't know how you... That's it. Believe. So Jesus said, verse 28, when you, he's talking to the Pharisees, to the Jews, okay? You got to get the context here. When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross. Now, we already read the end of the story, so we know what's going to happen. We know that when Jesus says this, he is speaking prophetically. When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am. Dude, we just, we just crucified God. That's what's going to happen. We just crucified the God that appeared to our father Moses in the bush. Jesus goes on and he says, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. He's not independent. He's interdependent with God the Father. Not my will, but God's will. Verse 29, and the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then, then. Many who heard him say these things believed in him. As we go through the Gospel of John, I've commented several times that Jesus asks us to surrender ourselves wholly and completely to him. That surrender is no better demonstrated than in Jesus revealing to these Pharisees Remember, he's making his case for who he is to these Pharisees because Jesus wants them to receive him. His heart is merciful. He knows because he's all-knowing they're going to reject him and hang him on a cross, but he still wants them to come to know who Jesus is. So he wants them to understand the surrender. The surrender, surrender is no better demonstrated than in Jesus revealing to these Pharisees that he himself 
will wholly and completely surrender himself to the will of the Father. Jesus knows he's going to be crucified. He doesn't pray against it. He says, your will be done, not my will. And whenever I am crucified, it's going to reveal to you who I am. You're going to know. You're going to know the I am. Just see what's happening there? Jesus could pull rank and say, you know what? I'm not going to die for you fools. Y'all are knuckleheads. Instead, he says, listen, guys, one of these days, you're going to hang me on a cross. And you're going to remember this moment when I told you that you'll understand who the I am is. There will come a day when these Pharisees will see this man, Jesus, lifted up on a cross. They'll remember Jesus' predictive words. They'll understand that Jesus is the I am that appeared to Moses. They will realize that Jesus is the light and that it's only through Jesus that there's eternal life. So what do we do with this information? What do we do with this? For most of us, we're like, oh, Brent, we've heard this since we were in Sunday school. Jesus is the light of the world. We've done the little Christmas plays of Jesus being the light of the world. We've seen the songs. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. Let's move on. I love it whenever people say things like this to me. Let's move on to the, to the real meaty part of the scripture. <laughs> you, don't, you don't understand. Stop licking the steak, dude. I don't know why that just popped in my mind. <laughs> Larry laughing just made me... You know, God serves us steak and we lick it. <laughs> I don't know if I like this. Oh. So what do we do with this information? First, first, I am closing. Lord, help the Sunday school teachers to go long this morning. First, I hope that you will believe. I say that with all the compassion in my heart. I hope that you will believe that you will surrender yourself wholly and completely to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to guide your life. I choose those words very carefully because I'm not asking you to accept Jesus to be an accessory to your bum life. This isn't accept Jesus to be the light of your world, but you would like it in a flashlight package. That way you can choose when to turn him on and off, right? Jesus comes when God comes into your life. He's not not a light, not not a flashlight. He's like the sun, and he lights up your world, okay? That's the commitment to this, that you surrender yourselves wholly and completely and trust that Jesus will guide your life to eternal life. Second, I hope that you will share with someone the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that as you leave here this morning, there's some sense of urgency that hopefully you are walking in the light. And as you walk with other people and you realize that they are in the darkness, that you will do something to share the light of Jesus Christ with them. And that something should be what we saw in our text previously, showing mercy to them, being kind to them above and beyond what they deserve. When they deserve a thump in the eyeball, you hug them and tell them you love them. I don't think I'm the only one that wants to thump people in the eyeball from time to time. (laughs) I hope that you will share with some sense of urgency the message of Jesus. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It bothers me that Christianity is being questioned and being pressured from all sides to give up this claim of exclusivity. We are. We have been, we have seen mainstream Christian 
Christian, um, for those that are not right here right now, Christian air quotes churches that claim that there, that there are many paths to God the Father. There was a commercial years ago, mainstream church, many paths to the cross of Christ or to God. No, no. It is perceived as arrogant, stubborn, and even ignorant to believe that there is only one way to the God of the universe. Are, are you hearing me? So the pressure on us is to conform to societal pressure. Don't be so arrogant. Don't be so, don't be so ignorant. Don't be so stubborn to think that you're the only one that knows how to get to Jesus. Well, let me tell you what. Jesus believed that the only way to God was through Jesus. So whenever we believe in the exclusivity of finding God through Jesus, Jesus is our company. We're in the right place. Jesus taught, he even pleaded with the Pharisees to believe so that they might have eternal life. We do not concede to social pressure to change the gospel message. We share the gospel message one day at a time, one moment at a time, one person at a time, showing mercy to those who need it, sharing the gospel with those who will listen to it, so that hopefully the Holy Spirit will turn the light on in their lives and they'll receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, you have a responsibility. I'm hoping that as we, we're coming to a prayer time here, that you're thinking of either yourself and your faith, where you're at with the Lord Jesus Christ and your belief, or you're thinking of someone you know, maybe multiple people that you know. We're gonna stand together, all of us stand together now. We're gonna pray. I'm going to pray for those that are here, and we're going to pray for all of those people who are on your minds right now. I want to take a moment. You just think. Let the Holy Spirit put somebody on your heart that we're going to pray for. We're going to pray for that person to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to do his part, and we're going to pray for you to do your part. Let's bow our heads together. Father, as we go through the gospel of John, we just see so clearly how the work of salvation is a work of the triune God to bring sinners to a right relationship with a holy and perfect Father. Lord, we thank you from the depths of our heart for the mercy that you've shown us as we put our faith and our confidence in you. Lord, I pray for all of us here this morning. You know exactly where we're at in our faith. Father, you know that some need the light turned on. They need the Holy Spirit to, to give them eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. And Lord, the fact that they're here this morning makes me think that you're already at work in their hearts to turn the lights on, to show yourself, to show the Lord Jesus Christ to them in the very depths of their soul so that they put all of their confidence in you and trust in you with all of their desires. Transform our hearts. Give us eyes to see today. Turn the light on in us so, so that we can see who you really are. Lord, I believe that every one of us can think of at least one person who is bouncing around in the darkness and struggling through this life, 
because they don't know you. Father, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would begin a work in their hearts, a work that our words cannot initiate, but that you can, that your Holy Spirit will, will prepare their hearts to be ground that will be receptive of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of those that do not know you. Lord, I pray for those of us in service today that you will remind us often that those who do not know you live in the dark and it's our job to share your mercy with those people and it's our job to share the message of Jesus Christ with those people. Lord, that whenever we share the gospel, that it'll go down into the depths of their heart and that ground is prepared already by your Holy Spirit and that they will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. They'll come to a right relationship with, with God the Father because you've pursued them and you've equipped us to share your gospel. Lord, help us to be a light in this world. Don't let us be dim. Father, shine through us. Let the Lord Jesus shine through us brightly so that all those around us know that God the Father lives inside of us. We share your mercy. We share your grace. We share your love. God, empower us to be your witnesses. Empower us to be a light for those who are in the darkness. Empower us to help those who are stumbling to walk in faith. Father, all of our hope and our trust in you is in you. We are your vessels. Use us to glorify you. Lord, we love you and we give you all glory and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.